good evening, everyone. Uh, and no, uh, I am not trying to imitate Tara this evening. Uh, she's not able to be with us this evening. Uh, as always, when we have somebody absent, we ask you to pray for them uh, and the such. So uh, with that said, this is uh, our Bethel Radio Hour. It is our attempt, if you will, at a little bit more of a modern look at Bible study. Uh, we will admit to anyone it's not everyone's cup of tea, but we do appreciate those of you that come. And I, I, almost every week anymore, I run into someone who listens to the uh, radio program on the Bethelondale.com. And so we praise God for that. Uh, we've got uh, three pretty straightforward uh, topics, if I can pull them up here appropriately. There we go. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, we, we we're in uh, the life of Jesus, and we are to the point of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And we have been going through the Beatitudes, and so uh, after we look at uh, this passage here on the, the blessed are those who are persecuted, uh, for topic two, we're going to have uh, Kelly and uh, Daryl Kimsey come, and they're, we're going to interview them on um, CR, Celebrate Recovery. One of the reasons that we thought that was a natural fit is because uh, way back when, when Celebrate Recovery got started at Saddleback Community Church with Brother uh, Rick Warren, uh, he based the eight principles of CR on the Beatitudes. And so we thought it'd be good to uh, highlight that ministry. God is blessing that ministry and the such. And then we will end with a not so serious, possibly hopefully silly and funny topic on uh, how to navigate this time of year, if uh, you're not a hunting wife and you have a uh, deer widow situation or duck <laughs> widow situation and the such, and we will try to make it spiritual, but it's really honestly... What about shopping widows? Are there shopping, shopping widows? Well, Does it go the sakes, other way? Yeah, no doubt. No oh, doubt. Oh, yeah. Um, Dawn just pulled me into her insanity on that. I don't get to be a widow. i got to go shopping with her. But nonetheless, um, I'm in counseling. Uh, topic, topic one, blessed are they that have been persecuted. So we're looking at uh, chapter 5 in the book of Matthew. And let's just go ahead and read uh, the passage there. Uh, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And this is where we're going to start tonight. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so uh, before we open it up to the panel here, uh, I just added a, a few words to, to try to, I guess you could say, question each division here. Um, Blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I don't think I'm making a stretch here that most of us, this, this isn't something we wake up hoping that we get to endure today. This isn't something that we wake up going, man, I hope I'm persecuted today. <laughs> you know, you would need to probably check into a mental ward if that's the case. 
with that said, God is trying to prepare us for what the Scripture tells us is inevitable as you and I and if you and I try to live for the Lord. So the response here, uh, blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So thinking about the person that might be struggling with that persecution, which would be me uh, when I go through it, the response that I had was, well, why is that not enough? Why is the fact that the kingdom of heaven is going to be mine, why is that not enough for me to be okay, quotations, with persecution and the such? And, and even though it's as difficult as can be, you and I to, are to console ourselves that it's worth it. it, it it's worth it. Uh, blessed are ye when men shall reproach you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And then my response to that is, Christ turns a painful experience into a blessed one because they are not persecuting you, they are persecuting Christ. And then lastly there, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And then my response to that is, heavenly dividends are piling up when you are being persecuted. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. And I don't know that you and I ever compare ourselves to Moses and Abraham and the such, but Jesus does. When you and I endure some persecution, he puts you on that same playing field as those wonderful prophets of old, Elijah, Elisha, and the such. All right, gentlemen, jump in here. So do you, you think there's a difference between persecution and a spiritual attack? We were having this discussion before the, the service. So is it the same? Is it on a different level? Uh, we, I've been talking to and, and sharing uh, spiritual attacks that I, think, I feel a number of individuals and couples in the church are going through right now. My, myself included. It, do you feel like a spiritual attack and, and a persecution are the same thing? Or is there two different? One could be physical, one could be spiritual, but they're both on the same level. Well, I'm going to punt on you and say that <laughs> I, I think it can be. I, I, I think that, Sorry. in other words, I think it can be a separate situation, but I also think that some of the attacks are devilishly, you know. Dealt out. Right. Well, I, absolutely. It's neat you said that right out the gate because that was one of the first things I studied is they are related. But like righteousness, um, the persecution, I found a quote that said, it is the inevitable result and reality of a righteous life is perse persecution. Let's read that again. It, it is the inevitable, inevitable result and reality of a righteous life. Like it is, it is going, going to happen. <laughs> Inevitable. Inevitable. Well, yeah, I mean, Jesus says, if you live for me, you will be persecuted. Right. And righteousness is That's doing. That's a paraphrase. Righteousness is doing God's holy will. So where, as reading for this, like persecution, we don't discredit um, like a, a regime or a terroristic act. Like if we're, if we're brought down in a plane, it didn't happen because we're a Christian. That would be an, maybe a spiritual attack. But if we were doing a righteous deed and somebody spit on us, or you see what I'm saying, that I believe there is a separation on those two from a spiritual attack versus a righteous attack. Sure. Uh, let, let's uh, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 real quick. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then, of course, it admonishes us to take up the armor as a result. 
So I think that in this situation, of course, the context here is he's talking to the church at Ephesus. So he's talking to saved people, and he's telling the saved people that within the context of your church, when you get crossways with somebody, you need to realize you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. They're not the enemy. They're not the problem. The devil is. The devil has stirred up an issue, bitterness, whatever the case may be. And what I always tell our church members here is that you need to lock elbows with each other and fight the right, you, know, you need to quit fighting each other and fight the right enemy. With that said, I think that's an apple, and what we're talking about with persecution is an orange. The, but the orange being you're standing for Christ. Let's just say that, that your neighbors do not appreciate your values. And they may act out as a result. Well, that, that's persecution. Right. That may or may not be devilishly, devilishly em, uh, empowered. You know, I, and I think to some level you would have to say it probably is. Um, and, and, you know, let's face it, the devil's going to take every opportunity to attack us. You know, he comes not but to still kill and to destroy. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know that we can sit here necessarily and say that every persecution is satanically empowered does that make sense right you and and i'll butcher it and it, i should have thought it out more but we've talked about that before that if some stuff is just happening you happen it isn't because you're living just the ultimate holy life it's just that's the nature of life we, yeah we live and we in need a to, sinful world yeah and we need to quit looking for those and and i'll think about it maybe later on but sometimes we put too much credit you said right. it from the pulpit and the bad things that happen to us right it's the nature of sin right and it might not necessarily be a direct devil attack I think you can have the same end result. The same end result, though. No I, doubt. I think you could put your head down and take cover, and or, or white flag it, or mm -hmm. or realize what what it is for, and use the tools that God gave us, and keep going. One of the biggest comforts to me in either persecution or um, uh, spiritual attack or satanic attack is the fact that Jesus is with us. And uh, I, I don't want to get into triangles again tonight because you know, <laughs> I, 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 tr I trend that way heavily these yeah, days. You're the strongest uh, force in me. <laughs> so so if, if it is true that when we love others, we're loving God, when we go through, when we go to the prison and we visit somebody, Jesus says, you, you've done it unto me. Right. He, he feels it. But he also... When someone is persecuting you, he feels that as well. In uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 4, uh, let's start at verse 2. He says, and, and uh, let's just start at the first, first of the chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the dis disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to go to Damascus to the synagogue that, he may, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Saul's on this onslaught to persecute Christians and gets interrupted on the way, starting with verse 4. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? As far as I know, Saul's never met Jesus before. Right. But Saul has met the disciples. And Jesus takes it just like He's doing it to him. Right. That, that should be comforting to makes us. Makes it one hundred percent personal. Everything right. that we go through, Jesus is going through it with us. No doubt. To me, that's a huge comfort, and that verse really brings it out that Jesus took it personally. That his 
followers were being attacked for whatever reason, persecution or a spiritual attack, remember Jesus is taking it right along with you. You bet. Uh, just to, in case Tara listens to this, we've got to do a John MacArthur quote. Uh, Jesus says, a blessed person is not one who is self-sufficient, but one who recognizes his own emptiness and need. And what he's doing is he's going through each one of these points uh, for the Beatitudes. Who comes to God as a beggar, knowing he has no resources in himself. He's not confident in his own ability, but is very much aware of his own inability. Such a person, Jesus says, is not at all positive about himself, but mourns over his own sinfulness and isolation from a holy God. To be genuinely content, a person must not be self-serving, but self-sacrificing. He must be gentle, merciful, pure in heart, yearn for righteousness, and seek to make peace on God's terms, even if those attitudes cause him to suffer. The Lord's opening thrust in the Sermon on the Mount climaxes with this great and sobering truth. Those who faithfully live according to the first seven Beatitudes are guaranteed at some point to experience the eighth. Those who live righteously will inevitably be persecuted for it. Godliness generates hostility and antagonism from the world. The crowning feature of the happy person is persecution. It, that's tough. Now, I don't want to hear that. Right. <laughs> but, but it is true. Kingdom people are rejected people. Holy people are singularly blessed, but they pay a price for it. So the other side of that sword then, so if you're not being persecuted, are you not living a righteous enough life? I think that each person obviously has to weigh that. Uh, I think that that it may be that you just haven't found yourself in the right circles yet, sure. haven't found yourself at the right job yet, haven't found yourself in the right neighborhood yet. I, I, I you know, I believe every one of us daily should ask ourselves that question: Are are are, are we are we living a righteous life and such of that nature? One thing that uh, I've spoke about this before is when people. When you're living right and your witness is strong, I've, I've had people around me, oh, I'm sorry for saying that. Or if they're about to tell a crude joke or look at something on the phone, they'll turn, turn away from me. And, you know, we often, oh, that's, that's between you and God. But, you know, you feel good about your witness. And when I notice people are starting to say that nasty stuff around me, I'm like, wow, my witness isn't very strong right now. And I ask that question kind of uh, twofold because I've, I found another quote. The absence of persecution may be because we are fitting too well into the world. And it says it may mean we've exchanged our discipleship for citizenship. And it did make me think that if, man, if people just stop falling right back in the mix again, I'm not speaking the truth and my Amen. witness has fallen. Amen. And, well, and that's backed up by Luke 6.26. It says, woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So if everybody's loving you, right. and everything's great. Right. Well, yeah, if the world's your friend, you're in trouble, spiritually speaking. Right. Well, you know, it's common for people to say, uh, how's the world treating you? And then the response is, better than I deserve, you know. And, and as a Christian, we probably ought to say, well, you know, uh, I, if they're treating me better than I deserve, I'm not treating them very well <laughs> in a Christian standpoint. Um, with that said, I, you know, the key, and we're going to say this again uh, later in the uh, session, but um, the Holy Spirit's king, you know, right. and, and I, I do believe that if you and I are striving uh, to live for God sooner or later, you are going to come up against the culture of this world. You're going to have to love God enough to take 
stand. Uh, I had a Christian T-shirt on it, Six Flags, and this uh, fellow who was obvious, and he was dressed all in black, his hair was black, his lips were black, so I can only assume that he was in that, I forget now the word, gothic, gothic situation. He, he persecuted me. He, he made fun of me. He, he laughed at me and such of that nature. And, you know, uh, I, I, I can't remember now exactly what I did, but I didn't beat him up. I didn't cuss at him, anything of that nature, you know. Uh, and, and so we're going to be persecuted when we, when we take loving stands. And, and those are the, the soft instances oh, that no we doubt. should be proud of. No doubt. You know, because there are people that are put in cages for the same reason, right. you know, and, and murdered. So, yeah, we're supposed to count that as blessing. Well, and, and that's the thing. Maybe with the exception of the people that, and, and this is being said with all seriousness and, and compassion, but the people that find themselves in the wedding industry in America, they're probably the only people that can relate to any kind of heavy persecution uh, that's going on in our world today. Uh, I've got an illustration that I want to read to you here in just a moment. Uh, Brother Larry says, The prophets and apostles were not hated and put to death for preaching love. They were hated for teaching the truth. And amen to that. Uh, you guys got anything else to say before we close this section down? So in, in light of the, the struggles in our church, do, do you mind us to just have a prayer and ask God to... I don't know if this is out of... Yeah, let, let me read this and we'll close the, the section with, with prayer. Absolutely. Uh, so this is a, uh, a, t a true illustration. It's from uh, Peace Child, uh, Don Richardson. Uh, he wrote The Lords of the Earth. This is back in 1977. He tells the story of Stan Dale, another missionary to Iran Jaya, Indonesia, who ministered to the Yali tribe in the Snow Mountains. <coughs> The Yali had one of the strictest known religions in the world. For a tribe member even to question, much less disobey, one of its tenets brought instant death. There could never be any change or modification. The Yali had many sacred spots scattered throughout their territory. Even if a small child were to crawl on one of those sacred pieces of ground, he was considered defiled and cursed. To keep the whole village from being involved in that curse, the child would be thrown into the rushing Haluk River to drown and be washed downstream. When Standale came with his wife and four children to that cannibalistic people, he was not long tolerated. He was attacked one night and miraculously survived being shot with five arrows. After treatment in a hospital, he immediately returned to the Yali. He worked unsuccessfully for several years, and the resentment and hatred of the tribal priests increased. One day, as he and another missionary named Phil Masters and a Danny tribesman named Yamu were facing what they knew was an imminent attack, the Yali suddenly came upon them, and the others ran for safety. Stan and Yamu remained back, hoping somehow to dissuade the Yali from their murderous plans. As Stan confronted his attackers, they shot him with dozens of arrows. As the arrows entered his flesh, he would pull them out and break them in two. Eventually, he no longer had the strength to pull the arrows out, but he remained standing. Yamu ran back to where Phil was standing, and Phil persuaded him to keep running. With his eyes fixed on Stan, who was standing Still standing with some 50 arrows in his body, Phil remained where he was and was himself soon surrounded by warriors. The attack had begun with hilarity, but it turned to fear and desperation when they saw that Stan did not fall. Their fear increased when it took nearly as many arrows to down Phil as it had Stan. They dismembered the bodies and scattered them about the forest in an attempt to prevent the resurrection of which they had heard the missionaries speak. But the back of their unbreakable pagan system was broken. And through the witness of the two men who are not afraid to die in order to bring the gospel to this lost and violent people, the Yali tribe and many others in the surrounding territory came to Jesus Christ. 
Even Stan's fifth child, a baby at the time of this incident, was saved reading the book about his father. Stan and Phil were not rewarded in this life with the things of this life, but they, had, but they seemed to have been doubly blessed with the comfort, strength, and joy of their indwelling Lord and the absolute confidence that their sacrifice for him would not be in vain. That's powerful stuff. Yeah, and, and again, that's not anything like you and I endure, but what, when I was reading that today, I was like, and here I whimper and whine when I do receive some... Somebody called me a name. Yeah, right. that's right. That's and, right. And Somebody what, laughed at me. Yeah, what an amazing story. I watched a follow-on where those two men's wives went back to that island. So that's a different story. Right. That's Jim. That's Jim... Um, oh, Elliot. Elliot. Okay. That's Jim Elliot, yeah. but I know exactly They're what you're so talking about. They're so related, though. Peace yeah. Child, yes, oh, yeah. a completely yeah. separate story. Wow. Peace Child is what you're talking about. Uh, amen. Yeah, if you don't know Jim Elliot's story, he's the one that said... He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And that's even a more recent uh, story. Right. I think that was in the late 70s to early 80s. And uh, his wife went back. His wife went back. Tribe. Elizabeth Elliot went back and won the whole tribe to Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it was a couple of the wives uh, of the men that, that were lost. All right. Uh, let, let Gavin lead us in prayer for this situation. Heavenly Father, we just want to lift up to you all those that are in a struggle right now, a spiritual struggle. Help us, Lord, to have a fresh uh, experience of your love and your power. And uh, grant to us and restore to us a sound mind, Lord. Um, help us to focus on you who's greater than this world. Mm. You, know, you that are in us uh, is greater than this world. Help us to focus on that. When the waves are crashing over us, Lord, help us to look up. Help us to focus on you. Priorities become clear then. Thank you again for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Daryl and Kelly, y'all come on up. And uh, I'm going to, there's your two chairs. I'm going to bring this stool over here and interview from over here. So, and uh, we've got a special guest. Jay came yeah. with him. All right. Somebody shorter than me on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, maybe less here someone shorter sure. than Gavin on the panel. <laughs> Yeah, but that's just for a short time, guys. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, first of all, uh, I'm going to let you guys do some opening statements if you want. Uh, but if, if you don't really have any opening statements, basically we're just going to start off with what has CR done for you. You might start with what, what is CR, uh, Celebrate Recovery, and what has it done for you. So December 31st, 2016, I... Uh, I hit rock bottom in my life, in my walk with Christ, in my marriage. Um, and previous to this situation in my life, my, <clears throat> my father-in-law, Russ, had started Sea Art Church. And, of course, I had heard about CR for several years before it started here because sure. Russ had attended. And uh, so <clears throat> after this circumstance in my life, I think it was even probably two months after this, I started coming and attending and... Um, realized that I thought what I thought was a drinking problem was actually just an um, outward approach to a whole lot of underlining issues in my life that I didn't have any idea that I had struggles with. Um, insecurities, um, resentment, anger. Well, I, I knew I had anger, but anger was one of them as well. And um, so what CR has done for me is <clears throat> it has taught me and shown me all of God's tools on how to deal with um, all of the underlining issues that I struggled with, mainly my, my anger. So CR helped me conquer my anger 
and by doing that, it helped all of my other underlining issues. So anger was probably my biggest and worst, uh, I guess you'd say it was a habit that I had, um, and it drove my insecurities. It drove a lot of things. Um, it kind of drove my wife right out the door for seven days. Um, so, but with that, one of the biggest things that it taught me, that God taught me through CR, was that just because somebody says something that I don't like does not mean I have to react. It does not mean that I have to say anything back. And that was one of the biggest eye-openers for me was I thought I had to defend myself. If somebody accused me of something, I thought I had to defend myself. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, you don't. Their opinion is their opinion. There you go. And it, it just doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So, um, but that's, that's where I stand with the first question. Um, first off, thanks for having us um, on here and uh, <laughs> um, promoting CR. Um, I got involved with CR because um, one of my stipulations of coming back um, <laughs> was I wanted him to go to a recovery program. And so to make sure that he went, <laughs> I started coming. <laughs> Um, do and what then you on, do. yeah, to make sure he came. Um, <laughs> but then on top of that, um, dad, you know, needed help. And so then I started helping and then I got involved and, um, realized that I have problems too. Um, and really, you know, I still go, it's been two and a half years and, um, I don't think that, I think it's, it's a good recovery program. I don't think that you're going to be perfect when you get out because, you know, we live in a fallen world. You bet. Um, but it's nice to have the support system every single week. Um, you know, you get to know your small group and, you know, confidentiality is a big thing. So I know that what I, you know, I can take off my mask. I can be myself. And um, I really wish I would have had something like this through high school and college. Um, mm. And just like I went to nursing school and I was really stressed out and just having the tools um, to deal with my emotions and things like that. So very good. That's what it is for us. And that and something else is CR just isn't for somebody that's got drug addictions or drinking or anything like that. I mean, it is literally if you have a hurt habit or hang up. And that's man, all of us. That's right. And you can find God gives you the tools in this program to defeat that. Right. I mean, and when you do start, you know, getting deeper and deeper in the program by going through the step studies, it, it's going to bring up situations in your life that's happened in the past that you're you're going to struggle with at first. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I think, sorry, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I think the biggest thing too is like what I I'm in my second step study, and what I really because I mean it it's perfect it's really a discipleship program and right. it sets you up with a sponsor and yeah. then having your support group super important but um you know being able to come every single week and say your victories but also things that you need to work on mm -hmm. and realizing that other people have the same struggles as you i think mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing i was just kind of shocked like wow i thought everybody had it together you know and then realizing <laughs> wow they struggle with the same stuff i do and so that was you know, it's encouraging, honestly, to come every week. If I could say something from the outside looking in, there's a famous quote, be the change you want to see. 
And I think for anyone listening, you said, you know, you wanted to come to make sure he was coming. But codependency. Yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> yeah. One of the studies. It's Something so easy for us. With. Yeah, it's so easy for us to point at somebody and say you need help. But to be able to go that extra step with them. So if there's anyone listening that's saying they have a spouse or a partner that has a hang up, go with them. And no you're doubt. probably gonna find out that together you guys work a lot better together. Right. So And that, that plays over and over and over. Uh, a father brings his son because his son is, you know, uh, struggling with addiction. And the father finds help for what issues that he didn't even know he had mm -hmm. type thing. Uh, mom comes with daughter or whatever the case is. That happens over and over and over. And I will say this, that um, most of us who have someone in one of those more difficult situations, if you offer to come with them, many times they will. And then again, you find yourself getting some of the food that you needed that you weren't even aware of. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Rick Warren, who uh, really wasn't the quote-unquote father of this because I forget the man's name, uh, Baker. Yeah. Yeah. But Rick Warren was definitely a, a change agent uh, in this. He, he, he basically, you know, got it started through the church. But uh, when, when you address a crowd at uh, Celebrate Recovery, you start with, uh, my name is so-and-so, and I struggle with, uh, but then you end it with, I'm a grateful father in Jesus Christ. Uh, or maybe you even start with that. Yeah. Grateful father in Jesus Christ, yeah. I struggle with. And uh, when, so he, he addresses, they do a CR uh, conference every year at Saddleback Community Church that holds thousands. And, it, and it's full. It's just full of CR leaders and the, and the such. And he started one of those with, uh, I, I'm a grateful father in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with everything you know and they all just they all just laughed and at that, and yeah, at that point i think rick warren was still overweight at that point so on and so forth i i, I won't give you a name i did a took a fella to an airport and this fella spoke at one of these i've told you before about the pastor's oasis and so he was a big wig if i said his name some of you would know him but if i said the ministry that he worked for all of you would know him so I felt pretty honored to take this guy. I was hoping to, you know, uh, get, get, pick his brain, you know, and such. Well, it came up about Rick Warren. And this is, this is his statement. That guy has just blown up. <laughs> if he don't lose some weight, he's going to die of a heart attack. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think that's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> and again, he... We live in a fallen world. You know, he, this guy was, even though as great as a man as he was, he was talking bad about somebody. Uh, and so anyway, go ahead. Well, and I've actually, you know, I can speak from a little bit of experience that yeah. I've gone to a few of yeah. these meetings. And usually it was a convenience thing. I was here and I was like, you know, I'm here. I might as well do it. But I know we don't personally believe in that man can forgive you of your sins. We believe we confess our sins to Jesus. Right. He forgives us for them. But being able to confess that hidden sin to another believer mm -hmm. in Christ is so refreshing. It's like it's like nothing I ever experienced in this flesh. Well, it's scriptural. Bear it's, ye one another's burdens. It's burden. freeing. But also yes. going back to the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the meek or the poor in spirit. And it's funny because you we do um, a lesson night and then a testimony. So switch on and off every other week. And, you know, in the testimonies, it you know, you would think people would be embarrassed, but honestly, or you would feel bad for them or whatever, but um, most of the time, or every single time, you have just so much respect for that person for being 
humble enough right. to admit their weaknesses. Vulnerable. Yes. It, it's the scariest thing I've had in my life is to expose my sins to another human. And when I was able to do that, it frees you when you're not with those people also. Because sure. I found myself in those same situations that I'm like, well, I know this guy struggles with that too. And this person struggles. Man, I'm not alone. I can beat this because they have. You know? So it, it does help, absolutely. And I should go more so I'm confessing. <laughs> <laughs> He's confessing. So uh, give us a, a, a normal night. What, what's a normal night look like? What happened last night? You know what I'm saying, the schedule and stuff. Right, so 6 to 6.30, we have um, a meal. It's free, um, which is awesome. Most Celebrate Recoveries don't have that. Um, our church offers that. Um, we're very thankful. And then from 6.30 to 7.30, we have a large group meeting. Like I said, it's either a testimony or it's a lesson. Um, and then we have like about a five-minute break. And then um, from 7.30 to 8.30, we have small group, and um, they're gender-specific and, um, I guess, issue-specific as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, okay, h help me understand the step study from the standpoint of you said you've done one, now you're doing a second one. Is it the same one you did already, you're just going through it again? Is there one step study? S so yes, well, well they, they just they've come up with a second set sure. of step study books. But the thing is, <clears throat> is like if you go through, I've been through one step study, and you can go through a step study and you can put down, you know, you can you can state what problem you really want to focus on during this step study and you can't work. Focus on every problem you have, otherwise you'll get too bogged down. Right, right. So right. You you'll get discouraged have to focus and you'll, on you'll, one thing. You'll stop. Right, right. So. And that's just it. So, um, you know, I focused on two different main problems that I had and went through that step study. Um, but then, you know, I could go through another probably 30 or 40 and still not be, you know, all, all squared away kind <laughs> sure, of type of deal. Sure. But, you know, that's, that's it. Not to mention, I mean, you can always, once you've been through a step study, then you can sponsor somebody. So you have to be through a step study to sponsor. And my first step study, because our program was so new, there was nobody to sponsor me, so we co-sponsored each other. So this is the first time I'm going through it and actually having a real sponsor. So, um, cool. yeah, you have that, but also focusing on different problems. Two, uh, I feel like these two questions go together. I'm going to ask you, how difficult of a ministry is it, and then how rewarding of a ministry is it? Oh, uh, it's, it's very difficult because um, just, and I... I'm going to admit something here. I haven't been in a couple of weeks because of work schedule. But, sure. uh, you know. Well, you, got, you, you took a new role at your job. Right, right. So the biggest thing is, is you're going to see a lot of people come and a lot of people go, you know. Um, and that's just it. You know, they're going to come and then they're going to get up against the wall where it's kind of not do or die. But but it is. It's either get right. Stay with it. Right. Or. or Right. Or say, oh, man, this is getting too rough. Crucify or change. Right. So, and with that being said, they, they give it up. Well, five or six weeks later, they may come back. Right. You know, and it's right. just, so that's, I think, the difficulty of it is, you know, when you come, when, when somebody new comes in, you know, um, like Russ, I don't know that I could do as good a job as him. He, he is so, so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's very vulnerable, encouraging, and, yeah. and always welcome. Right. Yeah, always yeah. welcome to right. newcomer. And I know his new coming, um, you have to do the newcomers one-on-one -on -one the first right. time you come. I know it's different than when we did it, mm -hmm. but um, Craig says it's, it's really awesome. I'd like to go through it again. Right. I, th I think he's, 
um, sharing the gospel with them. Oh, no right? doubt. Yeah, he's I mean, a soul I, winner. And then, the, you know, it's no different than Sunday morning. Seeing people come to Christ through this program is just unbelievable. Amen. And I don't know the exact number, but it's several. 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 And that's just it. You know, the more vulnerable you are in your small groups and in your step studies, the more vulnerable everybody gets because they're comfortable. Because Guard comes down. Right. Right. The more, the more you let your walls down, the more you're going to help people. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. And, and let me say this. Russ's testimony is on oh. DVD. We hand it out. So what I'm fixing to say is well known by anybody that knows Russ. Russ, years ago now, six, seven years ago. Uh, I think two, it's 2010. 2010. Yeah. Look there. So nine, nine years, years ago. ago. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lamb. Amen. Um, Ten-year affair. Mm-hmm. He, he it, it finally got exposed, if you will. And as you can imagine, disrupted the entire family. Uh, it, it was serious there for several months. With that said, uh, Joyce faced it with grace and forgiveness. Uh, Russ faced it with humility and recovery. He got involved in CRs. And, and I'll say this. If you're hearing this uh, through the Bethelondale.com, there's a CR close to you. Uh, there absolutely yes. is. Uh, Potosi, uh, St. Louis area, this area, Franklin County, there's a CR close to you. And, uh, but, but his testimony, and my wife has given that testimony to other families that are going through a similar, and, it, and it's helped them, you know, just to hear that, number one, I'm not alone. Number two, uh, I, I can't imagine it getting much worse than that type thing, and God healed them. God healed Amen. both of them, and now I call it qualification. They're qualified to help someone else that's going through a similar situation. And they're, they're not going to approach you with, Anything but humility, that's right. That's right. They're going to come to you very humble and being willing to listen and and just love on you and try to do everything they can to help you. That's just, that's Russ and Joyce for you. They are servants. In the nature of our flesh, for anybody who might hear things like that and want to start casting stones, you've said it's perfectly from the pulpit. If you're capable of thinking it, you're you're capable of doing it. So, and we've talked about use the weight you want to use on others. Because before anybody would cast a stone at somebody else, you could just as easily be in that same situation. But for the grace of God, go on. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go ahead. As far as victories, um, like I said, in the small group, we, we share, you know, things that we need to work on and then victories. And it's just, I don't know, you, you connect with people when, and you have a deeper relationship with people when you're real with people and, you know, kind of sharing your life with them. And um, hearing the victories each week is very encouraging. And um, if I miss... Uh, Tuesday night, which is very rare, um, I like, I like get a little bit depressed about it. Like I, I can't wait for the next one, and Amen. it's like something that I look forward to because I'm like, I need this to get through my week. You Amen. know. Well, uh, that's just it. You said that I took a new role in in my job there. Um, I wasn't ready for this this role three years ago. Mm-hmm. So going through CR, God prepared me for this. You know, this role that I took it at work. Amen. So. Uh, we're going to close here in just a minute, but I want to ask you, I want to give you guys an opportunity to share what some needs are. Uh, I know that the nursery is a, is a huge need. Uh, we, we do have some finances now that we're able to pay somebody. I'm not sure where you all set that at, but if you know that, you can share it. But if someone could help us with the nursery uh, and the such, uh, we, we can give them a little something-something to help them through. Now, if they'll do it volunteer, praise God, and that's what we need ultimately. But... Uh, the, the nursery situation, like in your situation, you know, you, if you're going to enjoy the night, you need somebody watching your children, somebody we can trust. You know what I'm saying? So share, share that. Well, first off, I just want anybody that 
works in nursery for CR, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, because they are doing an awesome job with these kids. Um, we do need, we do have a need. You guys used to, um, but the Good News Club, you know, you can't help out anymore, um, the Kingstons. But we have, I'm trying to do it where you um, are in nursery once a month. So it's not like a weekly thing that you have to commit to. So um, if you can do it um, a certain month or maybe every other month, just let me know and I can put you on the schedule. But I don't know about the pay. Okay, <laughs> Russ would probably be the one to, yeah. to talk on that, but I know that we put that in the budget. I think it starts at like 115,000 a year. <laughs> 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 Your phone's gonna be ringing up. I think if you get $115,000 an hour, if you, you get $115,000 a you'll year, sign up I'm, I'm, I'll quit in. Corey right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm really good with kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, you know, prayers. Yeah. You know, continue to pray yeah. for that program. Um, and come. Don't yeah. don't hesitate to come. Amen. I think uh, everybody in the you know the church tonight, you're you're gonna figure something out that you were blind to. Amen. So. And, and I think the word discipleship is really good. That, that, that that's what it is. It, it's a discipleship series that is really built around you know uh, the struggles, uh, hurts, habits, and hangups. But it's very much Christ-centered, biblical-centered. Um, I've never told you guys this, but and I have no idea. If, if the person's here, I'm not shooting at you, okay? Uh, I have no idea how it ended up where it did, but I found uh, something off of the Internet that had been copied, and it was reasons why not to do CR. And it was all bogus. Every mm -hmm. bit of it was bogus. And so I don't know if maybe a CR person printed that off to just come, look, look at this. You know, I, I hope that's what it was. But if someone was trying to plant something for me to see it, I just threw it in the trash because I've seen God use CR and the such. And, and if you have concerns, come talk to me. We'll, we'll work through it. Uh, but but I, it, it, I love the program. Yeah. This well, is one of the ministries I was so grateful to see added to Bethel's ministry because yeah. this area needs a, yes, this kind of support. Well, and it made me think, you said from the pulpit, before Bethel, we in the past and a lot of churches are we're good at getting them in the door, and sometimes it's hard to keep them because yeah. we lose that discipleship. Sure. CR is absolutely part of Bethel; it's its own entity, but it's where the rubber meets the road. Mm. And these people are dedicated; they're walking the walk with no you. Doubt. So, if that's something that's turned you away from community Sunday morning church, CR is absolutely oh, yeah. a place you could come. And well, exactly, and there, there's rules, and Kelly mentioned it. You know. What is shared in that group stays. It's anonymity. Right. right. No, you know. Unless you know where a body's buried. We might have to. Uh, <laughs> I'm staying out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll somebody just said that somebody to us, starts so. talking that way, I'm right. going out the door. Do, yeah. do you ever graduate from the program? Uh, so that's, that's, we hand out chips. Um, it's like we're supposed to do it once a month. I think we do it every six months. But um, basically for your, you know, Sobriety. Yes, yeah, sobriety. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. have your start, you know, starting chip, and then you have your 30-day chip, your 60-day chip, your 90-day chip, and so on, you know, so. And as far as graduation, graduating, I don't know that you I ever graduate because every time, every time you fix something in your life, you're thinking, oh, man, I, there's, I can really, More you know what I mean? Or right. Yeah. Not right. only that, but if you fix something, then you can help somebody else. Right. I was just going to say, the, the graduation is you start helping in the program. Right. Whether it's nursery, whether it's teaching, whatever the case may be. Or That's, helping others in the same area, I think, because then they can relate to you. Yeah, yeah, you're qualified. Mm -hmm. Let's give these folks a hand. Amen.
Thank you, guys. Our next uh, session is, like I said, it's, it's a, a hope to do a little bit of humor, but who, who knows if that will happen. Um, th it's deer season. Deer season uh, and duck season in Arkansas brings about quite a bit of challenges with families and the such. My brother said one time, and I could not believe that he said it, but he, but he was accurate. He said, uh, Ben, there's three altars in a Baptist church in Arkansas. And I said, what? There's three altars. He said, you've got the altar to the cross. You've got the altar to the hog, which is Arkansas Razorbacks. And you've got the altar to the deer head. And obviously, he was not saying that as a plus to the churches. He was saying that, that a lot of churches in Arkansas, because you need to know this, there's a three weeks of continual gun hunting in Arkansas. Missouri has 10 days. So that, that's a significant difference. There are some churches that literally do not see their men for one month in the month of November. I, I, I believe that's pushing it. <laughs> you know, I, I really do. And, and you all know here that, that I lovingly tell folks, uh, Brother Ben doesn't take Sunday off for deer hunting but I understand a layperson doing that. I really do. I don't understand them doing that from September 15th to January 15th. I, just, I think that's a little beyond the pale. Uh, so the, the joke here is, is deer and duck widows. The premise here is that even though I know that there are a lot of female hunters, according to the statistics, 13.7 million hunters in America, women make up 11%. Therefore, when a lot of these guys go hunting, there's significant time away from wives and family, so much so that I read an article in Arkansas Magazine years ago about the deer and duck widow. I'd never heard that expression before. Some wives have jokingly referred to their husband's hunting passion as the other woman. So knowing that we are two months into bow season, one week and a half from opening day of gun deer season, as well as duck season, and then, of course, you have another weekend of youth season, a weekend of antlerless season, and then, of course, 11 days of alternate weapons season, so unlike Arkansas, where there is over three weeks of continuous gun season, we do, however, have a lot of time that a person could be in the woods as opposed to being with the family. So how does one, and we're going to broaden this from just deer hunting and duck hunting, how does one not allow this hobby or any hobby not to become an obsession and successfully navigate this time and still have a healthy marriage and relationship with their kids, etc.? Now, Tom, I know you hunt some, but you probably wouldn't. Would you call yourself? Are you a passionate hunter? Would you say that? No, and 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 it might be where I fall on the offense offending people side of this because I, I used to be that guy right. that I would hunt. I would get in my stand at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> I'd fall asleep in my stand. I'd hunt all day long, like 8, 10 hours a day. That started slowing down when I had children. Sure. And I hunted on my own property, and I could hear them clinking their plates. And, and I'm like, this is silly. And then, and then as I grew up and matured, I think I looked at it as, you did know. You, did you guys catch that? As. No, Ouch. when he grew up kind in maturity, <laughs> well, that's it. Because where you know they always say, if you read the ledger of your checkbook, yeah. it'll tell you where your faith sure. is. Sure, you know, and and kind of on the same lines. I don't want to spend ten, twelve hours in the woods for a week straight when I have a family, sure. when I have my health. Sure. And so I think it's a healthy balance. It's like yeah. what altar you place it. So yeah, yeah no I doubt. hunt very a lot less now because. 
one diagnosis, one car crash, anything. And I know I'm, I'm getting dark here, right. but I don't want to place anything above my family. Right. A little bit here or there. So I have found in my life, it's not just hunting, but if I have a hobby, I try to find some that my family can be included, sure. which now my kids are starting to enjoy hunting. My wife tried it. She didn't like it. But, like, we find each other's hobbies, and we spend time with each other. So I try not to make widows of my family. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, you know me. I'm, I'm head first in a hobby, and, you know, there's those little subtle things that Denise does that, that wakes you know, like, I, I come home and nobody's home, and where'd you go? Well, we went, we just figured you would be doing maple syrup right, or whatever, right, right. you know. Uh, so, so she's faithful to give me some wake-up calls. Uh, and to the point that you can enjoy it, and it's a legitimate pleasure and um, distraction from the 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 duties and responsibilities of life i think god blesses that and if it does if it stops including him or puts illegitimate requirements on someone else i think it's a a point um you need to revisit it and prioritize reprioritize it i think i think that you know in all things there's a balance um i uh read this or maybe it was a commercial where uh, and I, I've, I've referred to it before, but uh, grandson says, I didn't know Grandma liked to fly fish. And the other grandson says, Grandma doesn't, but Grandma loves Grandpa. Amen. <laughs> you know, so, so, so there, there's a balance there. Um, I, I, I have certainly had my struggles. And, and honestly, in my humble opinion, it'd probably be better to have Dawn here, you know, to, to get her side of it. But my... I'm not sure that's a wise idea. Probably not. <laughs> My struggle has been more in the area of not allowing it to become an idol, you know, Amen. between, between that, me and God, right. you know. And certainly if I'm letting it be an idol and I'm giving all my time, I'm also neglecting my wife and kids and, and yeah. as such. Uh, I, I've shared this before, and this wasn't with hunting, but it's definitely a hobby. Uh, during uh, March Madness, all the college basketball stuff, uh, Molly was probably 10 or so, and once again, if she's going to spend time with me, she's on the couch watching stupid basketball, and she just turned to me one time, because March Madness lasts for three weeks, almost an entire month. She said, Dad, do you love basketball more than us? And, I, boy, it made me mad. I thought, you ungrateful idiot. <laughs> how, how, how? Look at the clothes on your back. I bought those. The food in your belly, I bought that. <laughs> And it just go right down the line. But then when I had to stop and put myself in a 10-year-old's shoes, what has Dad been doing, with the exception of work, for the last three weeks? Watching basketball. Right. So for three weeks, I love basketball more than I love Molly. And I, I get it. I, I really do. We and, get and angry because the truth hurts oh, us Oh, son. It, it does. And so, uh, and you know, joking with my wife through the years about, don't you want to go hunting with me? You know, finally one day she turned on me and said, do you really want me to go hunting? And I just kind of looked at her and I started thinking, another gun, another outfit with, uh, you know, of course she's going to have all different kinds of camo, you know, stand, yada, yada. No, babe, I'm good. (laughs) That's right. See, my (laughs) wife went with me one time and we had three does come in, saw the buck, couldn't tell how big he was. 
coming in. I was like, this is great. She's she's with me. She's We're going to do this. See and then she looks at me, and in Radio Land, they can't see, but she mouthed, I'm sorry. And I didn't know why. And then she starts coughing. And all the deer scattered. <laughs> so I think that was the last time she went hunting with me. And I think we agreed to just, Was it on purpose? Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Okay. She just, she, you know, could not her eyeballs out of her head not to cough in the woods, you know. So. All right. Well, so th- let, me, let me just give you, uh, in my humble opinion, uh, a spiritual approach to this. First of all, holy, the Holy Spirit is king. If you... And, and I, I believe that we can all agree in here. I mean, you guys wouldn't be here if you weren't to some level serious about serving God. You're bringing your kids to Awana, uh, your grandkids, whatever the case may be. You're, you're sitting through potentially a boring Bethel radio hour. You, you're somewhat serious about serving God. You can trust that the Holy Spirit's going to love you enough to tell you you're out of bounds. You, you, are, you are out of bounds. One year, he required me to lay deer hunting on the altar. I gave it up for one solid year. The next year, I felt like he allowed me to pick it back up. But I did it much different and the such. Uh, and so Holy Spirit's king. If you're looking for a dose of reality on your hobby, ask yourself the question, how long are you okay for your wife or your children to be gone on a hobby or leisure trip? You know, I, I, I'm I, I'm never good for Dawn to leave the house. You know, it, because it throws the whole family into a quandary. Because mom's the heart of the home. Mom keeps people laughing. Mom keeps people happy. Mom keeps people fed, clothed, all those things. And so, uh, yeah, you can go on a week trip for what? You know, type thing. So, so that that kind of gives you a dose of reality. Now, this is one of the biggest things, and we we've really seen this more in vacations more than we have things like this, but I think it still works. Speak your expectations. What expectations do both of you have for the deer season? What expectations do both of you have for that hobby, whatever the case may be? Um, you know, I, I do the maple syrup thing too, but I, I, I'm, you know, I, I've got limitations on me. You know, we, we, we both do. We've got limitations from our wives and from just reality. Legitimate. Reservations, yeah. you bet. Uh, so I, I'll tell this funny with, uh, I, I've got several people in this room that are supporting me through prayer and uh, guidance in my health struggles and the such. So I have not been very faithful on my blood sugar checking and such. So I stupidly decided to check today Uh-oh. after I had a pancake. <laughs> I don't eat pancakes anymore. <laughs> I had a pancake with some of my maple syrup. I'm not going to tell you the number, but it was well into the hundreds. <laughs> CR will deal with it. Yes, that. they will. <laughs> I looked at that and thought, Lord, help. But you see, I guess I'm young enough still, because when I get the homemade maple syrup, I actually just drink it. <laughs> it's, I do, I do. My family calls me Buddy the Well, I've got buddy. something to bless you with. Uh, this is big. Don't ever lie or deceive. You know, with Enough. that hobby, with don't ever lie or deceive. Uh, now, this is something, and, and y'all may see this as, as uh, manipulation. I do not. I'm open to counseling. I, I am. But Dawn basically taught me to quit showing major excitement for the upcoming deer trip because I didn't ever show her that kind of excitement for anything she did. Right. And, and for the first several years of our marriage, it was like, 
why don't, why don't I ever see that for anything that you and I do together? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> and then I finally told her, I said, babe, I, th number one, that's a legitimate question. Number two, it's potentially a legitimate problem. If I'm getting this excited and I don't get that excited about our marriage and our time together, that, I, I need to be introspective with that. I said, I, I hope and pray that what I'm fixing to tell you helps. I have you 24-7. I have you 365 days a year. And I would gladly give up all of my hobbies to keep you. I, I would. I get to deer hunt. And, and you understand, I'm an Arkansas boy. I used to have three weeks of it. Now I get 10 days. And so, there, and this was before I was big into bow hunting and things of that nature. And so there was a lot of excitement for that 10-day period. And when we reciprocate the passion, we, we know what we like, but right. we have to be cognitive of what our spouse likes. Right. Because we might think it's the dumbest thing on earth. It might be a, a needle club or something. But if you try to show, and I'm not shooting at needle club <laughs> people. I don't even know if that's a thing. We've, we've got some so, of them in here. See, Tara's oh. not here, and I gladly offended somebody. Yeah. They got that's the needles. Right. But when you help support them in their passion, it's reciprocal. Okay, so about 10 years ago, and I, I've shared with y'all for the last three or four Sundays about what y'all do for us for pastor appreciation. So you basically provide a trip for us in February. So in that February trip, and I started this about 10 years ago, uh, Dawn goes shopping. I go with her. I go into the changing room. At her request, I give thumbs up or thumbs down. Brave man. It's never based on price. It's never based because we allocate money for that. She, she's got shopping money. She wants to know that her man likes what she's wearing. And it has, I'm telling you right now, that's taken a lot of pressure off of the whole situation of, you know, well, why do you like to do that so much? Because I'm now, by God's grace, I mean, I've had to pray. I've had to get excited about going into the changing room. <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that takes something off the rack and hope it fits. I don't want to go into a fitting room and try it on. But the wife wants to try everything in the store. That's okay. Uh, that's a thumbs up. Uh, make them apart as much as possible. Uh, keep in touch while you're gone. Treat them afterwards. We usually go out to eat when I come back after a, a hunting trip and, and hardly ever anything I've killed. <laughs> but, but we go and have a good time. We talk about the hunt. We ask them how their you know, weekend or whatever was and such. Uh, and, and I'm going to give you, the, this is the creme de la creme. This is the key. I'm sure it'll work in any hobby situation. So, ladies, if you've got something you do that your husband has left at home, this will work. We call it the deer gift. Every year, she gets a special deer gift before I go hunting. Every year. And uh, some of that, obviously, is because the Lord has blessed us to the point that we can do that. And at the start of our marriage, we, we couldn't do that. You know, hug and kiss is about all she'd get. But, but, but now, she gets something. Uh, and and it, it's really, honestly, for one, it's shown her that I do care more about you than I do this situation. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. That's all I got, guys. You got anything else? We got two minutes to fill. We got two minutes to fill. We can let them have some so free does, time. I'm just curious if the gift is equal to the amount. In fact, that's perfect. The gift is not equal to the amount I spend on. Are you kidding me? I'd have to get that woman a diamond ring. Uh, love you. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, if we can do anything for you, let us know. You got anything, Tom? Got you good, good, Gavin? God bless you guys. Thanks, everybody. Pray for Tara.